You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Good morning. How you doing, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. Good. The way your voice sounds right now yeah, sounds like I'm about to start listening to like a relaxation meditation thing. Well, as it happens, I've um, I've taken over the station when Fraser leaves. <laughs> That's a joke that two percent of our listeners are gonna like. If you're a Fraser fan, I you're I feel like there are more Fraser listeners out there than. It's great. It's one of my favorite. What is it? Technically a sitcom. Yeah. Then I would ma- say it's Then a I would say it's my favorite sitcom ever made. It is so good. Which is weird coming from me, one who does not watch sitcoms. <laughs> it's the one it passes it it gets through it gets through my filter of watching other things <laughs> Frasier and Parks and Rec are two sitcoms I can watch by myself and laugh hysterically watching yeah, that's, that's a the good problem point. That, that's a problem well no no, no. see that sounds weird <laughs> I, I hate that. it the issue with sitcoms <laughs> is yeah. I generally have to be watching them with other people in order to find them funny for some reason that's probably why I don't watch them but those two in particular I can be by myself and laughing till the tears are just streaming down my face yeah Fraser I've stuck with and it's it's sometimes relatable in a way that is a little bit scary mm, like yes. I wish I didn't understand the sentiment so well <laughs> <laughs> you know it makes me uncomfortable like what does this say about me as yeah. a person. I've, I've drawn some weird and very uncomfortable parallels with my life. And I'm like, I got to change things. <laughs> I've got to get out of it. I often think of that episode where they're at the spa and they're trying <laughs> desperately to like get to this like... This, I don't even remember oh, what the level is yeah, that they're this thinking. Mythic level, this premier membership. Sort yeah, of thing. and oh, uh, I'm like, yeah, because I want to advance through, you know, the tiers of yeah. whatever. And then it turns out, of course, it's just the back alley. Just, uh, they walk out. I, the... I love that episode so much. <sighs> so good. It is. Anyway, mm-hmm. today we're on to things that are completely unrelated to that, <laughs> unless you count like ascending through the tier of the Apostles' Creed. Hmm. Well, we are we are nearing the end. We are. We are nearing we're nearing the, the the upper echelon of tiers. That is, the upper echelon of tiers. I don't know <laughs> if I really said that in a way that made grammatical sense. <laughs> I just I saw the opportunity and I took it. We and I am glad you did. We are going further up and further in. We are. That's what we're doing. Yeah, we're almost finished and. We're just getting to today's article then. Today's article in the creed is, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. That's nice. Yeah, I mean, that, that That's is excellent. nice. That is excellent. That is, that is good news. It's the only reason the rest of it matters. <laughs> if we didn't have that, it would be like, all these things are true and cool. literally you're damned. Yeah, ex- exactly. It would, be, it would be all these true things that you don't get to have any part of. Yes, that's correct. So... It's, it's really good news. It's, it's really good. Lin- it really, it's the linchpin <laughs> that pins us to the rest of the creed. <laughs> yes. So, already, this entry in the creed assumes a few realities. It assumes, one, that we are sinners who need forgiveness, both from our neighbors and from God more specifically, as you have alluded to with your linchpin comment that we need, like, <laughs> assume some things. Yes, <laughs> we need that. But it also assumes that, two, we can receive that forgiveness because that's another problem is you know you may need forgiveness but uh yeah it doesn't matter if you can't get it yeah like oh you need it but i'm not giving it (laughs) that's where this article uh, is really handy yes it is so 
The thing that is kind of up in the air as far as this article goes is that the creed doesn't explicitly tell us how to be forgiven, which is, again, that's pretty important, you know, in the grand scheme of forgiveness. You need to know how to receive it. And you actually have to get to a passage like 1 John 1, 9 to get that answer, which, of course, if you've been in the church, you know that that reads, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse Mm. us from all unrighteousness. So that forgiveness of sins hangs upon our confession of yeah. sins. It's not in other an words. automatic rollover. Right. It's not as if just God's like, all right, forgiveness. Mm. You know, you get forgiveness and you get <laughs> forgiveness and everyone gets forgiveness. There's this moment where we have to agree with God and say, yes, when what you say is wrong is wrong, what you say is sinful is sinful, and we will confess that we have done those things and then he will forgive us. Mm. And the thing about forgiveness, which I mentioned in a recent message actually on the death of Christ, if you are a Horizons attender. I was there. Well, you were there. I, well, I, I, heard it. I was there in a different campus. <laughs> in a different campus. And then I also heard that message. That's how it works. <laughs> yes, yes. If you remember that, is that forgiveness comes at a cost to somebody. So in other words, it's not free in the sense that God just gives it and that's, you know, oh, like no, nothing changes and nobody's absorbing anything because right. of that. In God's case, because he is perfectly just and cannot simply, quote unquote, overlook sin, he has to be willing to absorb the penalty and debt if he's truly going to forgive it, which is exactly what God the Son does when he goes to the cross, which is what we've talked about in the early articles of the Creed. We talked about how he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He became sin who knew no sin, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He took our record of debt and nailed it to the cross, as he says in Colossians. Too, and therefore God is just to forgive us our sins. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing I find about this that could feel a little odd is the creed often seems especially specific. Yes. Clarifying wrong thinking or heresy mm-hmm. of the time. Yes. And other times, like now, it feels deceptively simple. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, like why, why not take the time to add a clause or addendum like, I believe in the forgiveness of sins through Christ mm-hmm. or, or something to at least say, this is not by my own efforts, not right. in my human efforts. Because mm-hmm. um, I think you can, you can know that truth yes. and then still get caught up in this like impulse to, to make up for it somehow. Right. I mean, is that just a recent pitfall that we find in Christianity? Christianity, um, that we have to like negotiate forgiveness in our own minds. I think that is a great observation. And I think the short-ish answer is that I don't know that the church fathers who were authoring this creed were dealing with those specific issues, ah, yeah. like what you just laid out. So as an example of how this works. Okay, we'll take Augustine as an example. This is one that just popped into my head because I love Augustine and I will use him at any point I can. (laughs) But in his earlier writings, he would talk about the will, right? Like the human will and how that, that operates. But his writing wasn't necessarily super specific on that. And then Pelagius came along. Uh, Pelagius was a British monk who he basically posited that human beings can save themselves more or less oh, okay. like that you you can't obey the law of god like on your own you can do that uh, like that's possible for you like that adam's sin he's right definitely a monk yes he is definitely but his his claim was that adam's sin basically did not completely corrupt our wills like oh like we we have some like maybe some taintedness in us but I it's see. not like you know you can still obey god's law and you can be saved that way so when pelagius came along augustine had to take his thinking about the will and he had to actually get really explicit about it because everything 
things Pelagius could look at his writings and say, well, look, look what you said about the will. Like, and yeah. Augustine was like, well, no, no, no. Like, I was assuming things that obviously... I was assuming like, people weren't going to be as difficult as you. Yeah, well, I mean, that's basically <laughs> it. Like, you know, like we can, we were working from a shared understanding of yeah. things and someone came along and challenged that and it's obvious at that point, okay, no, now we have to drill down and get more specific yeah. on what we mean when we say these things. And so I think you might encounter a similar dynamic with an article like this. It's not super specific, probably because they weren't dealing as much with oh, well, what does the forgiveness of sins mean? And how do we achieve that? Like, they just know when we talk about the forgiveness of sins, everyone in the Catholic Church knows that it's through Christ and yeah. here's how you would you receive it and that kind of a thing. But that's a great observation because you'll see that in all of historical theology. So I think that's a great thing to draw out is you may wonder why some author in church history didn't address a specific problem a certain way or you may think, oh, like, I thought he would treat that more robustly than he did. Yeah. Well, he probably wasn't dealing with that problem at the time. Our theologies will only give us answers to the questions we ask of them. Like, it will only solve the problems we pose to it. So if you're not asking a specific question or you're not posing a specific problem, your theology probably won't deal with it. Oh, I see. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. So when you're talking to the creed, they developed that. I mean, that's in, you know, fourth, fifth century. So, I mean, they're just not dealing with the same problems that we are today. But that's a great, that's just a great discussion, I think, to have and a yeah. great observation on the forgiveness of sins because that is something that comes up all the time now. Yeah. Like, with like, how do we receive that? What does that look like? And like, am I really forgiven? Like, did God really justify me if I continue to struggle with sin? And yeah, so that's a great, great observation. And so that's the very, very brief theological side of the article. <laughs> Surprise! You could give that all kinds of treatment. But on the practical side of this article, because I think that's where that question leads us to, is the yeah. practical side. I think the danger for Christians is that we do indeed stay too vague with this article of the creed on the practical side. So it's kind of the flip of what you were saying. So in other words, we're willing to say, for instance, I'm a sinner in general. Like, yeah, I'm a sinner. Like, I know I need forgiveness. But we're not as willing to get down into the nitty gritty and say, oh, yes, I've specifically committed this specific sin and I know I need to be forgiven for this sin, right? It's like when I'm talking to someone and it's like, hey, they're they're like, yeah, I know I'm a sinner. And like, okay, like, we'll just like help you help us both get down into this. Like, what's a specific sin you committed in the last 24 hours? <laughs> and then that gets uncomfortable because like, oh, like, well, yeah. now you're like getting into the, the yeah, inner recesses exactly. of who I am. And, and it's like, so recent. It's like, oh, well, I haven't suddenly become a better person since then. I'm still the person who committed that sin. Right. Exactly. But that's precisely the way that God's spirit works in us to heal us and deliver us ultimately from those sins. So so that's how we experience the true chain-shattering power of Christ's forgiveness, is we have to be willing to confess those specific sins. I say that, again, knowing that's not easy. There's not, like, I still, <laughs> like, I there's a, a prayer of confession I pray every morning, and that could almost be depressing, because I'm like, here right. I'm doing this every morning, like, and at many times, the same kind of sins show up. Yeah. But there is a certain healing and redemption that comes out of that. And I can tell you that over the past three years, like, it's not the same as it was when I first started, you know, like, when I was right. dealing with, like, yeah. impatience and outbursts of anger. That, I'm not doing that with the same frequency or the same intensity as I was three years ago. Mm -hmm. And I think that's 
obviously owing to the Spirit of God and right. the power of confessing sins and receiving forgiveness. And I'm like, I'm really forgiven of that. So this is not anything new. I don't, I'm not just making this up. I mean, you take King David as an example. You know, we want to look at the scriptures and see what they have to say. Well, King David shows us a model of this. I, he is called a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. He was Israel's dearest king and most beloved ruler. I mean, when you look at the archetypal king of Israel mm-hmm. throughout the scripture, I mean, the Psalms, the prophets, all of them talk about David. You get into the New Testament, it's, you know, we're looking for our ruler from the line of David. Yeah. He becomes this kind of almost mythic character. You know, he's, he's like uh, the Israelite equivalent of King Arthur or something. <laughs> I don't know. But he too must confess his sin when his heart is pierced by the spear of conviction. Ah, I, see, I see what you did with the spear reference. Yes, yes, the mm. spear. Yes, well, 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 yes. well planted. <laughs> so no one is exempt from this and not even in the most seemingly quote-unquote inconsequential of sins either because we see this displayed vividly toward the end of David's reign. At the end of his reign, if you recall, there is an incident in 2 Samuel 24 and it's also recorded in one of the chronicle books. I just can't remember which one off the top of my head. But he decides to take a census of the people. Now, there's nothing inherently sinful about taking a census. Uh, In fact, even for the Israelites, a census was permitted by the Mosaic law. It was permitted. But even permissible acts, if they are done with evil intent and a self-centered heart, can be sinful in the eyes of God. Again, that issue of the heart really comes into play with what we do with our lives. And so when David asked his army commander, Joab, to number the people, Joab actually responded with concern because apparently the text isn't explicit, but he saw something suspicious flowering in the king's motives. That is interesting. He just knew. He's like, don't do this. perceive that. Yeah, and he was able to see that. You, you really do. You can't, again, it's not explicit, but I think that most likely through this census, David was implicitly putting his ultimate trust in his own military strength. So he was in effect saying, I trust my army more than my God, which over and over again gets the Israelites into trouble. They are constantly <laughs> getting into trouble over this. I want this instead of God. Yes, exactly. I like a golden calf instead yes. of God. <laughs> God, like literally smoke on the mountain, fire, darkness. Golden calf, please. <laughs> this man is good, but I would like a pheasant. <laughs> They're always... This is a unique pattern. Is is. this a first world country? Uh, Apparently so. (laughs) But we read, by the time the census is complete in 2 Samuel 24.10, David was conscience stricken after he had counted the fighting men and he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. Now, Lord, I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I have done a very foolish thing. So he specifically knows it's this specific thing, taking the census and counting the fighting men was sin. He knows why he did it. Yeah. So when he's conscience-stricken and he's stained by this sin, he didn't try to hide it. He didn't make excuses. He didn't shift the blame. He simply confessed it. And he didn't stop at, I ought to confess. He actually went directly to the Lord and then said, I have sinned greatly in this specific matter. Something that I find interesting about that in particular, like you said, is it's it's almost mundane. Like it was permitted. It was not like an anomaly for this to happen in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So it's a sense is right by itself amoral but you know the private motivations compromise that and i think it can kind of feel weird to say to yourself oh i should maybe technically confess for this typically neutral normal thing right because it almost feels weird to formally ask forgiveness for something that doesn't feel like a big deal sin Mm -hmm. that could be totally fine in someone else's hands and i think we can talk ourselves out of it or push it to the side if it doesn't feel severe enough right but it's meaningful to see how sincere david was 
here recognizing his own actions in something like this. Right. And I think that's the the key to that is that when your conscience is panged by something, even if it was neutral, like, you know, um, yeah. I'm trying to think of an example of this from my own life. But like maybe even let's say like, oh, yeah, like I'm going to go hang out with my friends. You know, like I'm going to, you know, take off the even go hang out with my friends. That's a, in itself can be a good thing. Even sure. that could be good. But if I did that and left Morgan, you know, high and dry in a situation, she's mm-hmm. like, hey, I really need help tonight. I was counting on you being here. And I'm like, nope, like, like nope, I'm not going to do that. I'm out of here. See you later. I, that's yeah. that's something I'm going to need to confess to God right. and to her because I left her hanging high and dry. Yeah, good point. And so when we come to the Bible, I think if we're at least, if we're being honest with ourselves and we're being as honest as we can with God, we will often find our own consciences stricken. Right? We will be confronted with specific sins of our thoughts, our words, our deeds. And as you pointed out, we will have to decide in those moments whether we're going to sweep them under the rug or whether we're going to bring those sins to light and confess them and let the Lord cleanse us and then forgive us. Again, it's not like we're going there with this record and he's like, now I'm going to (laughs) condemn you because you've brought yourself forward. He's going to forgive us. He's promised to do that. So you don't have anything, dare I say it this way, to lose by doing this. Mm -hmm. You stand only to gain. One of those prayers goes, grant us pardon and peace that we not only may be cleansed from our sins but we may serve you with a quiet mind so like that your conscience can be soothed knowing i've been forgiven this is covered this is fine yeah so yeah in david's case he has to confess the sin of the census again as another example i mean maybe we're reading james 120 and we read the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of god and you know what maybe we're uh, not having road rage incidents but maybe you know more like me we're expressing our anger with this sullenness and this kind of you know i want people to feel bad for me, you know, (laughs) pity me and admire me for how wrong I've been, you know. That's still the anger of man that doesn't produce the righteousness of God, just flowering in a different way. And so we need to move again from the general, God, I'm a sinner, forgive me too. God, I've expressed the anger of man in these specific ways. Will you forgive me? Strengthen me to walk in the power of your spirit. Simple, specific confession. Yeah. That's it. And here is the thing. We are not necessarily guaranteed our neighbors will forgive us if we sin against our neighbors. That's not a guarantee, right? right? We still have a responsibility as Christians to confess our sins when we do wrong our neighbors, but we're not guaranteed they will forgive us. Mm -hmm. Uh, That may be something, you know, we have to live with to some extent. But again, we do have the promise from God that he will forgive us when we sin against him. Mm -hmm. The most most needed forgiveness is promised to us by his grace, and thanks be to God for that. Mm. And this is what we affirm every time we say that we believe in the forgiveness of sins. Wow. Bada bing, bada boom. And much more, but you know, you only have so much time in a podcast episode <laughs> for the definitive exposition of this article of the creed. Yeah, no, answered all questions. Yes, all questions answered here each episode. That's right. That's Augustine what we would be you. so proud. Yeah. You clearly thought through it all, he would say. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we do hope that this episode was helpful to you and encouraging to you. And if it was, and you want to leave us an honest five-star review, that would be great. We would be encouraged and comforted by this. Funny how that works. (laughs) Comfort us with the comfort you have received, as Paul would say. No, but if it was helpful and you want to share it, that would be awesome. If you have questions on this or any other topic, you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. You can interact with us on social media. And uh, yeah, that's really about the stretch of it. So thank you as always for listening and we'll catch you next time. Mm